E-N. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. I'm broadcasting today from K-State as they are hosting the Risk and Profit Conference taking place in Manhattan, Kansas. No surprise, a lot of economics being talked about in this and weather, which is what we're going to hit a lot on today. Add to it what's been going on in this cattle market and is there concerns when it comes to feedstuffs as we head into the fall? Arlen Suderman is joining us. He is with StoneX. And Arlen, let's start out here. No surprise, it is definitely a lot of weather talk out there. And let's just talk. start out with the severe drought that's happening in China. Yeah, it really hasn't got much play into now. We've been keeping our eyes on it. Now we're starting to see more data come out, and it's pretty severe, primarily in the Yangtze River Valley. Now, that's really south of the primary corn and soybean growing areas. There is some corn and soybeans in that area. It's further along, um, but it looks like there are going to be some losses. And why does that matter? First of all, corn production in China is expected to fall with a normal crop. is expected to fall about 24 million metric tons below anticipated demand. So the rest has to be made up with imports. And USDA only has Chinese corn imports at about 18 million metric tons right now. And I'm close to the 24 million metric ton level. And any more that the crop falls short means more imports are needed. So that has big implications longer term, particularly with a short crop in Europe and Europe needing to have significant imports of feed grain. USDA just started cutting the crop in Europe. We expect much bigger cuts to come out of Europe. Probably the crop most impacted by this drought is rice production. Uh, a large share of their rice is late crop or some call it double crop rice. And uh, that's really just now going into the reproductive phase. So it's a critical phase. If you look at where the drought is specifically hurting, you know, you may be looking at maybe less than 20% of the crop. Um, but it still looks to decrease. And as you know, rice is a staple in China. So it's one thing we're keeping a close eye on overall. But the water levels are getting so low that it's hurting their hydroelectric plant production output. So they're having to shut down a couple of crushing plants, uh, fertilizer production plants. Major industries that are big consumers of electricity are getting shut down and the problem's still getting worse. So having said that, and I, I want to look at the, you know, the economic picture too of China. If they're having weather issues, I mean, they've still got to be able to buy stuff to feed their livestock, feed their people. But if there's no money to do it, how's that going to set up the tone? Yeah, and their economy is struggling right now. It's not in recession, but it's in danger of slipping into recession. And uh, so there's some real concerns there, and that's one of the reasons we've seen a lot of weakness in the grain and oilseed markets of late. It's not based on actual supply and demand fundamentals. It's based on fund perceptions and fears that Chinese demand is going to be in decline for the food and energy commodities. Now, it's a lot easier to make that argument for the energy commodities than it is the food-based commodities because I still eat in a recession. Maybe I eat too much in a recession. Um, but that's, you know, we still consume food. It may change when we come down the value chain, that type of thing, but we still do eat. Um, so 
Uh, we're keeping our eyes on China very carefully. It's a big factor right now with their economy, particularly with the COVID restrictions and lockdowns they've had, and, and they are not getting COVID under control this time. So it's just increasing the problems, and they're expected to keep the zero tolerance policy through at least when their Congress meets this fall to reelect Xi Jinping for another term, another four years in office as president. And they don't give the exact dates of that yet, but it's expected that'll be in late October. So that means we're going to have some problems for quite some time really dragging their economy down. So during the uh, risk and profit conference here at K-State, uh, Dr. O'Brien was talking about how we need to focus more on the weather watching out of the European Union. And he says, what are your thoughts? Yeah, Europe has real weather problems. We think we had a drought here. As, believe it or not, it's even worse there. And so we're looking at, uh, you know, Commodity Weather Group did an analysis in the, on similar years, and they said, well, the worst year we could find that was even close in the weather data uh, had a 15% yield loss. So we're anticipating at least that. But we also believe we saw a significant reduction in fertilizer application rates in Europe this year because fertilizer availability was a real problem in Europe, let alone cost, which was much higher than here. So local sources are telling us it could be down as much as 30%. USDA came down 8 million metric tons, which was about 12%. So we believe there's quite a bit more to go down and possibly that much again. Uh, we'll have to see or maybe even more, you know, depending on how bad it really turns out to be. But that drought really hasn't given um, seen the relief here in the Midwest. We've at least seen some relief in the heat in some areas. Obviously, not all areas of the state or the region have got rain, but some areas have, albeit late. Um, and we've had abatement of the heat, but Europe's still going strong. Ukraine, um, as they get ready to do some harvesting, and I was talking with, with somebody who's from Ukraine and said the biggest concern right now is the amount of combines that are, are, are exploding, the fires that are happening, whether they're being set by producers to keep Russia out of them or because they're hitting these landmines. Yeah, it's, it's a real problem, and it's what it's like to do farm in a war zone. We have no concept of that, and that's why right now, in fact, one of their government officials said that unless something changes, we're probably looking at a a reduction of 30 to 60% in winter wheat plantings for the 23 crop. And keep in mind, Ukraine is a breadbasket of the world, Ukraine and Russia together. And so that's a significant hit on next year's balance sheet for wheat, let alone what it be with corn, which requires even more inputs. And it really comes down to the difficulty of the war and farmers just not being able to get the resources they need to do it. All right, well, stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk more on this weather, not only from um, a South American perspective as they get ready to start planting pretty soon, but from a U.S. perspective. And for folks that don't know, Arlen does and has worn an agronomist hat, so it'll be a nice perspective on how it all comes together. We've got more coming up as we broadcast at K-State in Manhattan. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. It's time for the Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish with Fontenelle Hybrids. We caught up with new dealer Preston Smith from PJ Smith Seeds, who co-owns his business with his wife, Jana, in northeastern Phelps County. So, Preston, tell us about how you got started. We got started with Fontenelle in part for the excellent products that we saw out in the field, but also because of the great people within the brand. Everyone is so supportive and will do anything to help you succeed as a dealer. 
which in the end helps the customer succeed. Well, you did a lot of research. Tell us how you decided on Fontenelle. I really like the focus on Nebraska and, and products that work locally. As I started to make contact, I just really felt at home with everybody that I met within the brand. And I know you hear the, the Fontenelle family get used a lot, but that's really what it is. It, it truly does feel like a family. If you'd like to join our Fontenelle family and become a dealer, just contact us from the website at Fontenelle.com. VN. Welcome back again to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And we kind of left off talking, no surprise, about weather. And I think wherever you're at, it is definite water cooler talk. Um, I was at a field day earlier this week. We got some rain, um, which was a good thing. Farmers were happy, but of course, we want more. And that's been a big concern. So many of these areas, especially dryland crops, are definitely suffering. And I noticed that, Arlen, driving from Surprise, Nebraska to Manhattan, Kansas today, the amount of stressed corn and soybeans between the two states is is pretty astronomical. Yeah, and the challenge here is not look just looking out our back window and seeing whatever is happening around me. It must be happening everywhere else. And that's always mm-hmm. a challenge for those of us in, in my job uh, to try to have the big picture perspective. But recognize that we do understand that uh, there's a lot of corn in Nebraska and Kansas in particular that's not even not even enough there to chop it for silage and uh, to pay for the fuel for chopping it. And, and I understand that. I get that. I'm a former agronomist. Um, but when you look nationally, there's also a lot of very good corn and there's a lot of very good soybeans. So when I look at the national picture, my biggest concerns have been the fact that the soybeans were really late to canopy west of the Mississippi River. And, and that doesn't help your yield picture. But overall, they still look good and held on pretty well when you look at the national picture. And so I think when you look at USDA's yield on soybeans of 51.9 bushels per acre, just slightly above trend. I I really can't argue with that at this point. And particularly, we know when the temperatures have moderated uh, and we have some areas that got rains, soybeans really can take advantage of those late rains and add. The question is, is nationally, when you take the pod counts and everything, how's that add up? So I'm looking forward to next week's industry crop tour to get the reports in the field on those pod counts. And the same thing on the corn ears, the ear health of the corn, length of ear, how much tip back, how those ears filling, what what's the seed size looking like at this point in the maturity process. That'll be our next big influx of information. My bias is a little bit stronger on corn since it progresses earlier in the maturation process that we're going to be looking at below trend yields of corn. The question is how much. I feel pretty good about just saying that we're probably looking at something in the low 170s. There are some private estimates that are in the mid to upper 160s. I don't think we have enough data to suggest that yet, but I can't rule that out either. We should learn a lot next week. Well, and I think you bring up a very good point. It's easy to have those blinders on and think if it's happening in my backyard, it's happening elsewhere. And Eastern Corn Belt might be the the saving grace for the Western Corn Belt. 
Yeah, and we're going to have a lot of corn moving from east to west. And um, one of my coworkers here, um, Michael Day, did some work on math and looked at the plain states, adding up the deficit in corn production versus a year ago in the plain states where we feed the cattle and mm-hmm. uh, grain sorghum as well. And we're looking at combined a shortfall of about 450 million bushels reduction in production. That's using USDA data that I think we're going to see further reductions yet in that data. So decline in corn and milo production over a year ago, is it just that they didn't get it planted or went with something else? It really comes down to the drought, and that's been a okay. big problem in the plains. Uh, some of the milo is still trying to hang on, but that's still a, a real problem. So we're going to see a real pull in the basis market with the strongest basis, obviously, in the feedlot districts, trying to pull the corn from east to west. In the east, we have very weak basis because we have excess production. In the west, it's very strong. We're looking at new crop bids at the feedlots, a buck fifty or so over December futures. Um, and that's really hurting the feeding margins. We're going to be feeding more wheat where it's available. But as you know, mm-hmm. we had some problems producing wheat in that region as well. Let's look at South America. It's hard to believe they're a month away from, from planting once again. Uh, they really are. And so it's- Lina is actually strengthening, and so the long-term models for September, October, November are suggesting that we're going to have some pretty strong dry signals from southern Brazil south through Argentina. That's kind of what we've had the last couple of years, and this is the third year of La Nina. Now, confidence in those long-term models tends to be somewhat low because those are looking at macro factors. Sometimes there's more short-term factors that can alter that, and the look at outlook for just September suggests we're going to have above normal rains for all of Brazil. And so which way is it going to be? I know we're going to get those rains in September and then it goes more to our more typical La Nina pattern and dries out again, or is it going to hold on and revert back? Um, that's going to be real key for Brazil. Argentina looks to have some challenges ahead for another year, but Brazil could still go either way. There's just risk to it depending on how this La Nina plays out. Lots of great stuff we talked about today, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? At StoneX.com or follow me over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. Well, that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell is being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or your favorite platform. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.